darkness. The sky didn't make a sound. No breeze to soothe a weary soul. No tears of heaven to wash away the bloody timbers of the cross. We held our breath in disbelief. The guards watched in confusion. Jesus, the King of the Jews, is dead. How could this happen? We believed him. Is this the great deception of heaven? That we would be mocked and misled by God? The prophets promised one that would save us. One who would bring freedom and healing. We thought it was this Jesus. We were sure it was him. But he is a man just like the rest of us. And now, we are left alone.
sky shook in power. Heaven rolled away the stone. Jesus, the King of Kings, is alive. No tears of grief could wash away the joy in our hearts. We held our breath in disbelief, and the guards were paralyzed in fear. How could this happen? We saw him. Is this the great miracle of heaven that we would be loved and redeemed by God? The prophets promised one that would save us, one who would bring freedom and healing. It is this Jesus. We are sure of it. He is a man just like the rest of us, but he is God sent to redeem us. And now we stand together, never alone, singing praise to our God to one name, the name above every name, Jesus Christ, the risen King.
fear and death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first run to final breath, Jesus commands my thank you so much for this beautiful day, this Easter morning where we get to come to church, put on our Sunday best, and remember what you did for us. I'll forever be dumbfounded that you decided to take our place and pay the consequence for our own wrongdoing. But Lord, you did. So God, for that, uh, we give you our attention. We give you our presence give you our our lives, our heart. And so would today be a day, God, where you speak and you speak loudly and remind us again of the power of the story of your resurrection. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray as a church and say, amen. God bless you guys. My name is Billy. I'm the worship pastor here. So glad to see a full house for worship this Easter morning. Glad you're here. So, um, hey, we do this thing at uh, Hopevale called the meet and greet, and we like to say, be nice to introverts. So say hi to somebody around you. We'll see you back in a second. Thanks. You can go ahead and have a seat. Happy Easter, everyone. It's great to have you here. I'm Dan Davis, uh, senior pastor, and every Sunday is special, but this one is even more special as we 
celebrate the culmination of this one story over these eight days, that Jesus is not still in the tomb, but he indeed is risen. As a matter of fact, for centuries, the Christian church has celebrated on Easter with a very simple call and response that goes something like this, where the person leading the service up front says, he is risen, and the congregation responds with, he is risen indeed. Okay, so let's go ahead and do that. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And that is the good news that we celebrate today and every day because the grave is empty. Um, Glad you're here, and especially if you're visiting with us, it's great that you joined us on Easter. A couple things uh, we want to just offer to everyone. First of all, on your way in, you received a bulletin. And on this bulletin, there's a tear off form on the bottom. And this allows us to get in touch with you if you want to find out more about uh, our church, more about the Christian faith, more about questions that you might have of what it takes to get involved. And so you can fill this out, drop it off in the offering plate as it comes by a little bit or at our Welcome Center after the service. And speaking of the Welcome Center, we have a special gift for those of you who are visiting as a way to say thanks for popping by. You're right. Yes. I don't write them, I just say them. Okay, so um, as a matter of fact, we have a lot of different kinds. We've got straight up, you know, plain old white popcorn and for the more adventurous rainbow, right? And because you came at eight, you get first choice. So go ahead, you can stop by uh, the Welcome Center again. We'd love to meet you and welcome you uh, to our church in the love of our Lord. As we continue to worship, I'm going to ask that our ushers come forward. We're going to pray for our offering. If you're visiting with us, if you'd like to give, great, but don't feel like you have to. We view this as an act of worship like everything else we're doing as a way to say thanks to God for his amazing love shown to us. Let's pray together. And God, thank you that we get to straight out celebrate and sing these songs that proclaim our hope, our life is in Jesus. It's in Christ and Christ alone. And we can say that because the story didn't end on Good Friday. No, it continued on on Easter Sunday. And the grave was empty. And then our Savior rose as alive. And we hold on to the promise that he will come again, that what he started, he will finish. So thank you. And thank you how that message gives us life and hope and strength to live the lives you want us to live. And God, so for everyone here, would you speak to us in very personal ways? And thank you that you can do that by your Holy Spirit, that you can speak to the stirring within us. God, what we need to hear, whether it's encouragement, whether it's a challenge, whether it's comfort, God, thank you that you know what we need even more than we know ourselves. And so as we continue in our Easter worship, even in this giving, take these gifts as an outpouring of our gratitude, as a way to say, thank you, Jesus, and we love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you, ushers, for serving this morning. And uh, while you give, uh, if you would, just remain seated for a few moments. We'll get you up in just a little bit. And uh, yeah, you know, uh, Easter, this, this reason we gather singing and retelling the story of the Christian faith, this resurrection that we celebrate. But it's why we gather every Sunday to remind ourselves 
um, you know, we've, we've got to stay on this journey. We keep coming back to church because um, a few times a year, sometimes just doesn't feel like enough because uh, uh, we want to experience God more than just a few times a year in a really powerful way. So I um, really encourage you to, if, if you're new or if you've just coming back for the first time in a while, uh, come back, come back and sing with us and join with us and be inspired in your faith uh, every Sunday. It'd be awesome. Well, we're going to continue to worship right now and sing this story of our faith. It's what this next song is all about as Carrie leads us. Let's worship together. See you. 
Pastor Dan uh, comes and prepares to share what's been on his heart for a long time leading up to this day. So Lord, thank you that uh, we have a pastor that sits quiet and meets with you and opens your Bible up and says, what do you want your people to hear, Lord? And so we pray that you would speak through him today, speak through your scriptures and inspire us as we try to walk closer with you every day. We love you, Lord. It's in your name. Amen. God bless you, friends. Have a seat. Is risen. He is risen nice job. Hey, yeah, again, I'm Pastor Dan, and this is our second Easter since we opened our worship campus in Bay City, and so I want to give a special shout out to those of you worshiping Bay City, Hopevale Church, one church in two locations, and it's wonderful to think that in this Great Lakes Bay region of ours, we are celebrating the greatest news ever that Jesus is alive. And so as I begin today, I want to carry on a tradition that's part of what we do here at Easter, and that's for us to read through the Bible's account of what actually took place 2,000 years ago, that very first Easter Sunday. And we're going to do that together as a responsive reading, so I'm going to need your help. We're going to alternate verses. I'm going to start by reading the odd number verses, and you'll respond by reading the even number verses in yellow. Does that sound like a deal? Okay, so to help me out, I'm going to need you to stand. We'll have the uh, scriptures on the screens, and I'll begin. We're reading from Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 1. Here we go. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, The women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you. Oh, he was still in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. 
And they remembered his words. Thank you. Well done. Go ahead. Be seated. Over this past week as a church, we have been going through an eight-day daily journey where we have been retracing the final steps in the life of Jesus. Eight days that changed the world, and even more importantly, one story that can change your life. And so through our services, through our daily devotional thoughts all this past week, we have walked through moments like Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, Jesus' humble service in the upper room on Thursday evening as he washed the feet of his disciples, Jesus' anguished prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane as he is seeking supernatural strength to carry out the will of his heavenly father over his own. Jesus' crushed emotions from the betrayal of Judas and the denial of Peter. Jesus' physical agony through the trauma of beating, scourging, spearing, the horror of crucifixion, a crown of thorns jammed into his head, spikes driven into his hands and feet, hanging for dear life, Desperately gasping for every next breath, and perhaps worst of all, Jesus' spiritual abandonment by his Father as he hung on the cross bearing the sins of mankind as his own. My God, my God, Jesus cried out, why have you forsaken me? And so it was in the ninth hour on that day we call Good Friday around three in the afternoon, Surrounded by an ominous darkness that had engulfed Jerusalem for the last three hours, Jesus cried out one last time, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. There was a final breath, and then his life was over. Jesus' life was over. From there, we're told that his body was taken down from the cross, hastily wrapped in burial linens and placed in a tomb owned by a wealthy man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea, while some of Jesus' friends, mostly women, were watching in deep mourning. After that sunset came that Friday evening, the sacred Sabbath began, and these onlookers returned to their homes in just stunned silence. Now, some of you know that a group of 30 of us just returned recently uh, from an 11-day trip to Israel. It's it's just an incredible time where we're exploring the land of the Bible, where we are walking where Jesus walked, including visiting most of the special and sacred sites of this final last week. Second time I've done this trip, and on both occasions, I have been struck by the observance of the Sabbath day in modern-day Israel. The Sabbath. That even though a good percentage of Israelis are nominally religious, the Sabbath is embedded into the weekly rhythms of their society. And as an American tourist, you you feel this right away, right? Because most businesses close on Friday at sunset and stay closed all the way until Saturday evening, right? As a matter of fact, you know how bad it is? You can't even get a good cup of coffee for a whole 24 hours while you're there because using modern coffee appliances is a violation of the Sabbath. I mean, we had it rough, people, I got to tell you, right? Seriously, though, even back at our hotel, there is a Sabbath elevator that is pre-programmed to stop at every floor, 
right? Why? Because pushing mechanized buttons is considered work and thus a violation of the Sabbath. After all, God's original commandment to his chosen people was refrain from work, engage in worship, right? My point is, is when you're there, you feel the Sabbath, right? You feel life slows down, distractions are taken away, and you're left with your thoughts and your feelings. And this is 2,000 years after the time of Jesus, so imagine these women in a more primitive time, just hours after Jesus has died, having to hunker down in houses with nothing to preoccupy them, right? Trying to process everything they've just experienced, this rather sudden and unexpected turn of events that resulted in the death of their beloved friend, teacher, rabbi, and master. And the same was true with Jesus' disciples, his male fall. Actually, even worse. Why? Because they had fled the previous evening when Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so on top of the shock and the grief of them losing their friend, they're dealing with guilt, right? The guilt of their cowardice, the guilt of their failure, and they're also dealing with the death of their dreams. The death of their dreams, right? I mean, they had three years of going all in on Jesus, and now it's down the tubes. That the one they thought was the Messiah, the chosen one, the promised of God, was actually shamefully executed as an enemy of the state. As a matter of fact, John tells us then afterwards in his gospel that most of them are holed up in secrecy somewhere behind a locked door. Why? For fear of the authorities who no doubt were coming for them next. And so you have all these raw and intense emotions playing out in the stillness of the Sabbath. Men, women hurting so much, feeling so helpless. Why? Because there's absolutely nothing they can do about it. Now to me, when I think about this part of the Easter story, the one story over these eight days, it is such a relatable human moment. It really is, because I think we've all been through some kind of version of what they're experiencing here, right? We've had to deal with the sting of loss over the passing of a loved one. We've had times when we've had to come face to face with our own failures, our shortcomings, and how we've hurt others and disappointed ourselves. And many of us, we have had to work through the death of our dreams too. We have. I mean, I've been a pastor here for over 22 years, and I've never had anyone tell me that their life has worked out exactly the way they thought it would. No, actually, the conversation usually turns the other way, and people asking questions like, why and how come? And even as I say that out loud, I wouldn't be surprised if some of you here today are wondering the same thing, that you're in the stillness of your own Sabbath. You're at this point in your life where you're struggling, feeling helpless, feeling hopeless, right? Thankfully, as we go back to the story, just as we read together, helpless and hopeless is not how it ends. Now, Sunday morning rolls around, and these women are committed to doing the very next thing that's before them. The very next thing, and that's, you know, really kind of how often we work, right, through grief. Just stay busy, do the very next thing, and that's what they're doing. So they show up Sunday morning with spices and perfumes that they brought to the tomb. Why spices and perfumes? Well, they're going to finish the half-done, hasty uh, burial anointing, 
right, custom that others had started, but there was such a small window of time, right, on Good Friday afternoon before the sun set and the Sabbath began. So there they are. They show up, and you've got to remember, they expected a wrapped corpse in a sealed tomb. When they came there, they expected a wrapped corpse in a sealed tomb. As a matter of fact, Mark in his gospel tells us that as the women are making their way there, they're talking with each other, wondering who they can get to help them to roll the large stone away from the entrance of the tomb. But when they get there, they run into two surprises, right? Two surprises. The stone is moved and the body is gone. The stone is moved and the body is gone. And as they're trying to figure out how and why, they are greeted by these brilliant, supernatural, angelic beings who give them the answer they never expected. We read this earlier. Remember Luke chapter 24, verse 5, verse 6 says this. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, these angelic figures, why do you look for the living among the dead? He, Jesus, is not here. No, he is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Jesus is no longer dead as you still expected him to be, but rather he is alive. The one that you saw perform miracle after miracle after miracle, jaw-dropping, all right, is now the object of the greatest miraculous victory ever this world has ever seen, that the crucified Jesus has now become the risen Lord, just like he said it would happen. He is not here He has risen. What a reversal. Absolutely stunning, right? You can't go through something like that and say, I'm going to keep this to myself, right? And so they take off. They leave their experience at the tomb. They run out to tell their friends. And so the story goes on where we left off from reading. The next verse, verse 9. When they, as the women, came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11. That would be the 12 disciples minus the betrayer, Judas Iscariot. And to the others was Mary Magdalene, here are some of the women, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. I heard one Bible scholar put it that these women are actually the first apostles sent to the eventual apostles, right? They're the first heralds of the good news. They're the first ones to say, hey, he is not here, he is risen. And you gotta remember that these women and these men, they're from the same neck of the woods, They're Galileans, just like Jesus was, and because of him, they hung out together. They shared life together, So this isn't like some stranger coming up to you who you've never met before telling you that the UFO has landed in their backyard and you're supposed to believe them, right? No. They spent time together. They were friends, so you've got to imagine how excited these guys were when they heard the news that these women shared, right? Uh, Not exactly. Verse 11, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Nonsense, rubbish, foolishness, poppycock, right? His body's not there. You saw some angels. He, they told you that Jesus rose from the dead. You can't be serious. You know, some historians actually say the apostles weren't just rejecting the message. They were also rejecting the messengers because they were buying into first century stereotypes that the testimony of a woman could not be trusted. Like, that was the mindset back then, right? Guys, I mean, guys are basically jerks, right? Yeah, right. You know, and they're just like, you know, but not all of them. Because look what happens next, verse 12. Peter, however, 
got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, look at this, wondering to himself what had happened. Wondering to himself what had happened. Maybe, just maybe, there's something to what these women told us. And if you keep on reading, you discover that this maybe turned into a definitely. Because Peter and the other disciples actually saw the risen Jesus in the flesh with their own eyes. It was true, it was really him, and what seemed too good to be true was indeed actually true in the end. It really happened. Jesus had indeed risen from the dead. Death was defeated, sin was forgiven, and everything changed. Then, now, forever, everything changed. Because Jesus has risen from the dead, there truly is hope for everyone. See, that is the message of Easter Sunday. That even in our deepest despair, there is hope for us. There really is. And so in my remaining moments, I want to tell you about that hope. I want to tell you how you can experience that hope for yourself. Because I think when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to how each one of us relates to him and his good news for us, we all go on some kind of journey like the one we've just read. We do. And the journey goes something like this. That when we hear about Jesus and his good news, at first, some of us will just dismiss it as nonsense. Dead people don't come back to life, right? It doesn't work that way. Dead people don't come back to life, and yet Easter is the story of this real person who really lived, Jesus of Nazareth, from actual history, who not only predicted that this would happen to him, but it actually did. And there were literally hundreds of people who saw him afterwards and swore that it was true. Because you need to know, right, real Christianity is so much more than just going to church. It's so much more than living out some moral code of conduct. No, Christianity is an invitation to believe in the miraculous and the supernatural. That not only did this Jesus rise from the dead, but he also, as the pre-existent eternal son of God, came into our world as a helpless baby boy, miraculously conceived in the womb of a virgin named Mary. Not only that, but this baby boy grew up. And all throughout his life, he lived a morally perfect, sinless life. The only person who's ever done that in all of history, which qualifies him then, and him alone, to die on the cross in our place for our sins, for our shortcoming, for our selfishness, as our substitute, right? Why? So that we could be forgiven, so that we could be reconciled with our creator, Crazy as it sounds, that is our story, and we're sticking to it, right? It's also why the Apostle Paul, in a different part of the New Testament, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, you know, this is how you can summarize the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Chapter 1, verse 18. He says, for the message of the cross, and I would add the resurrection, is foolishness to those who are perishing, for those who think it's nonsense, right? It's just foolishness. But... To us who are being saved because we believe, it is the power of God. Foolishness. See, I get why Jesus' original disciples thought at first the resurrection was nonsense. I do. I also get why people today in this rational, skeptical, scientific age of ours reject it as well. 
But I also know that God in his infinite wisdom knew there was no other way, that in his infinite wisdom and his undying love for us, he knew there was no other way for death to be defeated, for our sins to be forgiven, and for God's own divine righteous justice to be satisfied. Someone had to pay the price. That's why the cross truly is power. Forgiving, cleansing, healing, restoring the power of God for those of us who are being saved. Why? Because we believe in this one story of these eight days. A story that culminates in these seven words, he is not here, he has risen. And so my encouragement to those of you who may be stuck in this first phase of the journey that up to this point in your life, you just dismiss this Jesus stuff, this church stuff, this Easter stuff as nonsense, that you would at least, at least be willing to crack the door to maybe. Because when you crack the door to maybe, then you can step into the second phase of this journey and what you think about this good news, that you would question it as possible. No longer dismissing it as nonsense, but at least questioning it as possible. I mean, I think back to that first Easter with Peter, right? Who, after hearing the good news, first thought it to be nonsense. What did he do? He took off straight to the tomb to see for himself. And as he saw with his own eyes those burial linings lying on the ground by themselves, he went away and were what? we're, We're told that he wondered. He wondered what had happened. That his no way went to maybe. And with that, maybe he wanted to find out more. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if that's where some of you are at in your life right now. Could be why you came to church today, right? There's something stirring within you. You can't quite explain. Spiritual hunger, a spiritual thirst, a spiritual curiosity where you want to find out more. And I can respect that, man. Not only that, but we can work with that. We really can. Because I think of another story from the life of Jesus It's recorded in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, where a desperate father brings his possessed son to Jesus. This boy who is given over to violent seizures, who's given out to self-destructive outbursts. And this dad is just at the end of his ropes, right? He's tried everything, nowhere else to turn. So he comes to Jesus, pleads with Jesus, and says, Jesus, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And look what Jesus says in reply. Mark chapter 9, if you can, Jesus says, everything is possible for one who believes. Now that right there is gold, right? Everything is possible for the one who believes. But then look at the father's response. I just love how raw and honest this is. This is what he says. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed something like that to God before, right? I have. God, I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief, right? That's the kind of prayer of someone who's keeping the door open. And in this story, you know, Jesus so respects where this dad is coming from because he's not coming from a place of perfect faith, but he is coming from a place of authentic faith. And so Jesus exercises his authority and his power over the sickness, over the possession, and he heals this boy. All because the dad said, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And I bet a lot of you can relate to that too. Listen, I want you to know here at Hope Bell, we want to give you the space, the safety, the respect to help you overcome your unbelief, to help you walk through everything you're wrestling with, all the questions, the doubts, 
the fears, maybe even the hurts from the past, from people in the church or experiences there, right? We want to give you the resources, the opportunities, the connections, conversations with other people who've taken a similar path as yours. Why? So you can ask your questions in an honest and safe way. So you can help sort it out. Why? Because in the end, it's worth sorting out. It really is. And so I invite you, boy, keep hanging out here after Easter. Right? Work through those questions. If you have a question or you want us to pray for you, fill out the bottom of the bulletin. Drop it off at our Welcome Center. We'll be in touch, right? Most of all, keep the door of possibility open because when you do, it can lead you to the place where you finally can embrace it as yours. That this one story of these eight days, that you believe it to be true here, and you embrace it to be real in here. We are gonna respect your journey with Jesus, no pressure, but to be totally honest, this is where we wanna see you get to. We really do, that place in your life where you see Jesus as your savior and your Lord. Because Easter isn't so much a miracle that we admire from a distance, but Easter is a love that we're supposed to experience up close and personal, a life-giving, death-defying, sin-forgiving, hope-restoring love that God offers. I think of the journey of one of Jesus' disciples, Thomas, and what he did right after the resurrection, because when he heard the good news, he couldn't get past the nonsense stage, right? He was hesitant to crack the door to maybe, but there he is, eventually, the risen Jesus, standing right before Thomas, and look what happens, John chapter 20, verse 27, says this, Jesus says to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, right, that's where the nails were, reach out your hand, put it into my side, stop doubting and believe, and Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God, it's this incredible confession of faith where all the facts now become personal and real to Thomas, but then look at what Jesus says next, this is what he says, then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Do you know who Jesus is talking about here? He's talking about you. He's talking about me. That we don't have to see in order to believe. That this true story that has been passed down through the generations from people who saw with their own eyes the risen Christ, right? That we know that we can believe in Jesus as our Savior when we sense a need for a Savior and embrace Jesus to be that Savior for us. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The blessings of forgiveness, the blessings of freedom, the blessings of fulfillment, they can be yours this Easter. They really can. And all it takes is a humble prayer, an honest prayer. that says to God, God, I am a sinner in need of a savior, and I cannot save myself. So Jesus, I want you, I need you to be my savior. Right? And for some of you, this is the step of faith you need to take today. So do it, embrace the good news of God's great love for you through Jesus Christ. And do that with everything you've got. Death doesn't have the final say. 
It doesn't. And for those of you who do know Jesus personally as your Savior, you're here, you're celebrating the resurrection, but you're just going through the hardness of life. My prayer for you is that God would fan the flames of your faith, your hope, and your love, that he would give you the strength to carry out whatever he's called you to do, and you would do it in such a way that this one story of these eight days would be just as fresh, just as alive in you as when you first believed. Why? Because the tomb is still empty. Because Jesus is victorious, and there still is truly hope for you and hope for everyone. Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you for the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. Thank you that the story doesn't end on a cross or in a sealed tomb. But it ends and continues with Jesus coming to life so that we can have life. Abundant life, forgiven life, eternal life, life everlasting in the kingdom of God. Life where everything within us comes alive because we're restored with our creator. And God, for those who, it's time. It's time to embrace Jesus as their own, may they do that. Jesus, may they trust you as their savior. And God, for others of us who are in the journey, help us bring people along and ask our questions, but that we'd at least crack the door and that you would help us with our unbelief. Lord, for the rest of us, just inject your hope into our veins, into our hearts, that we may live with what is not just a concept, but a living, breathing reality. Because Easter is truly the story of our living hope in you, Jesus. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Oh, so powerful. Thank you, Pastor Dan. What a living hope we have, friends. Let's stand and worship together before we leave.
how you do Easter right, people. Way to go. Way to celebrate the living hope we have in Jesus Christ because death has no claim on you because he is not here. He is risen. He is risen. We'd love to have you join us next week when some people tell their story of how they embrace the living hope of Jesus Christ for themselves through believer's baptism. But as you go from here, may you go filled with the living hope of Jesus Christ in your lives. God bless you.